I'm Shelly Lyle. And I'm Brian Avery. And welcome to Voices from the Field, a podcast brought to you by the Department of Sport Management at the University of Florida. This podcast was created to share the career journeys of sport industry professionals. Our hope is that you learn the ins and outs of different sport industry professions. We're excited to be with all of you this week and with our special guest, Tyler Stewart. Tyler is the Vice President of Brand and Experience at Warner Media Sports. So Tyler received his Bachelor of Science uh, in Sport Management from the University of Florida. After graduating, he worked in communications for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Super Bowl champs at this point, so excellent. Uh, he is the founder of I Wear Cool Socks Menswear and Lifestyle Platform and has held various sport marketing positions throughout his career. Some of these positions include Associate Director of Integrated Marketing and Partnership for GQ, Senior Director of Marketing and Partnership for the Players' Tribune, and Executive Director of Marketing, plus experience for the Bleacher Report. Uh, Tyler stepped into his current role as the Vice President of Brand Experience for Warner Media Sports this past month. So thank you uh, for being with us today, Tyler. Brian, Shelley, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Definitely. Yeah, so we have lots of lots of questions, but to start us out, um, you've held a really high level marketing positions throughout your career. Can you share your career journey um, starting starting with college? You know, you're you are you are young and have been very successful. So we want to hear how you kind of got to where you are, and then um, we'll follow up with some more detailed questions. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, I've been very fortunate. So. Uh, happy about that, obviously. But uh, to be honest, when I first got to school, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know I'd end up where I am right now. Uh, I actually started at UF as a pre-med undergrad. Uh, I went to preview and signed the pre-med paperwork. And and then I quickly got there and was like, I don't think I want to be a doctor. Um, you know, I, at the same time, I was a big fan of, uh, it sounds so silly to say out loud, but uh, Jerry Maguire at the time. So I played football. I played sports. I actually was a walk-on at the University of Florida as well. Uh, ended up tearing my ACL and, and ending my career short there. Um, but I always told myself if I couldn't uh, be the next Tom Brady or the next uh, pro quarterback, uh, I wanted to be as close to the sports as possible. So uh, that led me down the Jerry Maguire uh, sport management talent representation path. Um, I was very fortunate to, to land a, a gig at, at a sports agency straight out of school. Um, right after the Tampa Bay Bucks in, in endeavor, actually, and and Brian, they weren't actually nearly as good uh, when I was there as they as they were this past year. Um, I've been a lifelong fan, so I'm very well aware. Yeah, exactly. Uh, their trials so, and tribulations. So. Uh, so I started in the comms department there, pulling quotes from uh, from the players after the games and distributed them to the media. I was actually still in school at the time, but had a full time gig with the Bucks. Um, so that was really cool and interesting to do and, and a unique position to be in. Then I went to the sports agency. It was called Lagadere Unlimited at the time, recently rebranded uh, Sport 5. Before that, was Lagadere Sports and Entertainment. Um, but I did that in the talent rep world. Client servicing, talent marketing was the official title uh, for about four, four and a half years. Uh, at the same time, I, I was able to build programs for our athletes specifically. Uh, we were a media company at the same time time, which was unique in the fact that we were a media company with a, a sports uh, agency arm or vertical, if you will. Um, and we had a head of sports marketing, essentially, that came from the media magazine world. And he kind of showed me the ropes early as to how integrated marketing works, how integrated programs can work. And then we started to apply that thinking to talent specifically. And to be honest, it's very commonplace now, but this was 2011. Uh, and it wasn't very common to do anything outside of a standard endorsement deal, right? So when you start to build content around an athlete um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the social pieces that would come with it, like that wasn't as prominent then as it is now. And I, I like to say, honestly, we were, we were some of the pioneers in that regard uh, on building that for our athletes. So I learned that side of it. And then, of course, the straight up talent marketing or excuse me, talent representation side of it. Definitely realized I liked the the marketing piece and the integrated piece to a little bit more, and I was gravitating more towards that. I got to be a little more creative. At the same time, Brian, you'd mentioned I wear cool socks. Um, I lived in New York. I was a young guy. I liked you know the art scene. I liked going out to dinners, et cetera, et cetera. So I created essentially just a, a platform for me to share my experiences in New York City and abroad. Um, so that translated to things like sneakers and. At the time, literally socks were a thing. So I wore cool socks, literally, um, and would take photos of my shoes and socks and then post them to my Instagram or my Tumblr, which was the, the platform of choice back then, um, which was awesome because not only did it expand my horizons and open my eyes to other things, 
culturally, but it also got me into the door, which would be my next job at GQ Magazine. Um, so they had a program called GQ Insider, which was essentially their network of influencers, which was also, again, 2012, like relatively early for when yeah. you think of influencer network. Um, so I was able to do some work for them on the branded side while I still had my, my sports agency job, just like as a side project, a, a little side hustle that I enjoyed doing like on the weekends and whatever. Uh, and then they were like, hey, we have this cool role that's open that we think you'd actually be a great fit for. And I explored it. I was like, okay, I actually enjoy this as well. Like, let's do it. So then I transitioned over to Conde Nast GQ, specifically in the quote unquote integrated marketing world where I would be the sales uh, support from a marketing perspective to where we would go out and sell advertising for the magazine. Uh, and I would be the ones building those programs and executing those programs. Um, so it was quite the pivot to be honest, but it was, um, it was a, a natural progression when you walk through it the way I, I kind of just did. Right. Um, and I still had the talent exposure. I still had the, the sports exposure. GQ was very much of, of the, you know, the, within the cultural landscape, I should say. Uh, with a fashion and style skew. Um, so I did that for a few years, uh, really enjoyed it, but also as a grind and I just got a little burnout. out. Um, and then I got approached by an old colleague who had left GQ and they, they had started working at a company called the Players Tribune, uh, which if you guys aren't familiar, is Derek Jeter's sports media startup where the athletes tell their stories directly to the fans. Um, thought that was a really awesome concept. And to be honest, it perfectly merged like what I was doing in the talent rep world previously with my current role at GQ. You smush them together, you get the Players Tribune. So taking sports and media and then working in sports media sounds like a great, great fit, right? Uh, so I did that uh, for a few years. Startup world was crazy. You know, we were uh, venture funded. It was, it was really cool, great learning experience. Um, and then again, another case of it kind of coming full circle. Uh, one of my previous uh, bosses at, at GQ had started at Bleacher Report, uh, asked me to come help them out. Um, and that's where I'm at now. I've uh, been there for about three years where I handle all things, uh, you know, brand and experience, um, which I think we're going to get into here in a second. But, uh, you know, it, it was a it was a long journey, um, but we're here and uh, I, I couldn't uh, really envision it any other way at this point. Yeah, no, on paper, it, you wonder, it's like, oh, how's all those dots get connected? But the most logical explanation we just provided of ever. So uh, it makes complete sense at this point. And, and I wear cool socks, too, so I can sympathize but i never had the, the the bright idea to to have an instagram or a tumblr at the time to share that with people so yeah and it, it was crazy too because like i said i, I kind of laugh it off at this point but i actually owe a lot to that effort um oh, of course. you know uh, bloggers and influencers at this point i would never consider myself either of those things but at the time it was like i said simply an outlet for me to express myself creatively um yeah. and then it actually manifested into an opportunity uh, once I capitalized on that opportunity, I, I, I kind of let it fizzle out. Uh, and, you know, now the website slash blog, for lack of a better term, is now defunct. But uh, uh, it was it was very fun. I enjoyed it. It gave me some great opportunities outside of a job, but job being the uh, the, the best one. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's so helpful and applicable for our students because they – you know, even athletes, name, image, likeness is just around the corner. I mean, that's kind of what you were doing is creating your own branding and um, style. So it definitely makes sense. And I think for our current students, they're going to be, you know, they can be using that as an outlet to show their their style and their creativity. And I do think, you know, businesses aren't just looking at resumes, like what else can you offer? And, you know, from the graphic side to the branding side. So Yep. Yeah, I think that's that you are like ahead of the time. I feel like you're like one step ahead of all these. Isn't that, that are, the, isn't that the goal, right? Don't we want to be yeah. one step ahead always? Yeah, it makes sense, right? You have those jobs for a reason. I think Tyler's setting trends. So whatever Tyler's <laughs> doing, maybe you should follow suit at this yeah. point. Yeah, trend setting is not, not an easy thing, guys. I, I, no. I would never consider myself a, a trendsetter either, but, but sometimes I can at least try to uh, be on the curve, maybe not ahead of it. Gotcha. No, and I was like, do you ever sleep? Like, what yeah. do you have, you know? <laughs> yeah, Some, <laughs> sometimes. Years, like, you know, a lot, a lot going on. Um, okay, so in your current role, what are your daily duties, your fun the functions and responsibilities you have? Um, and then tell us a little bit what you love about your job and maybe some of the challenges. Totally. Um, so, Brian, I think, as you mentioned, uh, recently absorbed a little bit of a, of a larger responsibility set, which is awesome. Um, 
Bleacher Report is owned by Turner Sports, which is owned by Warner Media. Uh, Bleacher Report is essentially like the young and uh, you know the young and irreverent digital arm of sports and culture. And then Turner Sports, of course, has all the linear rights for things like MLB and NBA on TNT and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, so the larger sports ecosystem, I just now have additional insight into. Um, so everything from a linear perspective and, and helping promote things like uh, the NBA efforts that we have, like All-Star Weekend was huge for us this past weekend. Um, March Madness, we broadcast the rights or the games too as well. Uh, so promoting those things and driving consumer uh, marketing efforts along with a, a substantial team, of course. Um, but then also on the digital side, um, all things from content, product, talent marketing efforts within Bleacher Report and growing our, our base there. Uh, and then making sure that the brand as a whole and all of those things I just mentioned is succinct um, and proper and, you know, how we want to be driving it forward. So that, that also heavily um, falls to the experiential and, and e-commerce side, which is where the experience part of my title comes from. So uh, we throw various consumer facing events at Bleacher Report and Turner Sports as a whole. Um, and then we have a, a pretty robust, at least now, uh, merchandising and and e-commerce business to where we'll sell like collaborative merch uh, with athletes, talent, artists, et cetera, and, and sell those products to our fans as well. So basically any touch point of the brand being the, the sports world within Warner Media um, falls to me and my teams uh, and just making sure that it's uh, you know up to snuff. Um, what I would say I like most about it or what I've been most interested in, to be honest, it's, it's just being able to uh, create from the ground up and be be creative. Like inherently, I, I'm a very creative person, and, and when I'm not creatively challenged, um, I I I don't thrive. To be honest, so a perfect example is some of the stuff uh, that I get to be creative and build, which ten lends itself to that. Um, last year uh, at uh, All Star Weekend in Chicago, and both of these are actually examples for from All Star, which is not by design. It just happens to be the first thing that come to mind. <laughs> Um, but BR Chicago last year, we threw an event literally called BR shy. Um, uh, it was a big, like 5,000 person consumer event. We basically built what we called the, the dual level crystal court. Um, and that was literally a court that was elevated 10 feet off the ground, but it was see-through so people could walk under it and experience like the bleach report brand and our brand partners below it while basketball and dunk contest and influencer games were taking place up top. And then it transferred over into the stage for a Quavo performance to cap off the event. So literally a bunch of fans were sitting under there, like having a great time. And then all of a sudden flip switched and Quavo started performing and they could literally stand under the stage. We have this amazing photo of like Quavo putting his hand down, like high-fiving somebody uh, under the, under the stage, under the court. So we get to build things like that. And then, you know, completely on the other side of it is like I just mentioned, all-star weekend, makeshift version a little bit later in the year just happened down in Atlanta uh, instead of Indy like it was supposed to be. Um, we threw this experience called uh, Open Run, which is literally two rappers versus two rappers playing in a two versus two basketball game. We broadcast it live on Twitter uh, and within the Bleach Report app. And and uh, again, I mentioned merchandising and e-commerce, like we sell physical products tied to our experiences, tied to our talent, whatever it might be. And uh, this year specifically, um, we made a collaborative basketball with each of the rappers in the game. Um, and then we actually decided to sell them digitally as well as NFTs. Uh, so if you guys aren't familiar, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. They're all the rage right now. Like it's just literally the Wild West. It's the craziest world. Um, but we basically stood up a, a whole campaign to sell four NFTs, one with each artist, one with each rapper uh, in like seven days and then ended up selling quite a few of them and, and had a really cool uh, experiment that ended up proving pretty successful for us. So net net long story short is, you know, I like to build things. I like to be creative and, and uh, within the world of sport and culture, Warner media gives me the opportunity to do that. And that's what I like most for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. These non, you said non fundable coins. Is that the term? Non fungible technically F U N G. Okay. Uh, assen yeah, essentially, it's anything that's um, not easily transferred. So, like, again, we can go. We can talk about this conversation forever. It's, it's <laughs> no, a whole. I, <laughs> I think they're the videos, right? I th are they the videos of the players? Like they basically, almost, like, like NBA Top Shot is like the the market leader right now. Like you, you can buy a, a LeBron highlight one just sold for two hundred eight thousand dollars as an example, which is crazy because you can literally go watch that same highlight on YouTube for free, but like you don't own it. So like a person who owns that just paid a bunch of money for it. So. Think of it like um, 
a fungible token or a fungible asset is cash. And then like okay. crypto is also fungible because it's one, one for yeah. one. But then an NFT is like the Mona Lisa, right? You cannot transfer a Mona Lisa for another Mona Lisa. And then you cannot transfer an NBA highlight if you own it for another NBA highlight. Interesting. It's, like it's a very complex world, to be honest. And I learned so much this past week. And again, that's <laughs> right. why I love being able to do the things I just mentioned, because like, where else could you literally be like, I think I want to try to sell this digitally and then actually do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I had read something the other day that Dallas Mavericks are going to accept Dogecoin, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Cuban uh, Cuban's leading the charge yeah. on a lot of these things. Uh, and he, I mean, who, who knows? Last thing, I mean, again, like I said, we could talk for this forever, but <laughs> who knows where the NFT marketplace goes? Who knows yeah. if, if like, you know, Dogecoin, dog, doggy coin, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you call it. Yeah, no, where I that wants to go. Like, and if, if, if I bought a Mavs. Wait for somebody else. Yeah, if I bought a Mavs ticket with, with Dogecoin, like, who knows if they're going to be able to redeem that for cash in three years? Like, eh, nobody knows right now. Right. No, it's the Wild West, like I think you, you, you said. So, uh, once again, the trends. No, so I'm seeing a trend with you, Tyler. This is this is pretty cool. Uh, now, you know, you you've had a lot of experience in a very short period of time, and I'm curious, you know, speaking specifically to our student body, you know, how have you evolved as a leader, or an innovator, or a person? How do you, how are you? Because it seems like you're you're so busy and you're making a lot of big moves quickly. How do you have time to reflect and and grow, if you will? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's, it's been something that's been extremely important to me as an individual throughout my career. Um, I mean, full, full transparency is like I started as a, a know nothing kid who just was like bright eyed and like, I want to be the next Jerry Maguire, right? Uh, and quickly had to realize that like, that's just not the way the world works and, right. and definitely have evolved and grown quite a bit, not only from a a professional level, but a personal level, uh, for sure, as well, right? So I think, um, you know, I've been very fortunate. I'll say this a lot because I truly feel it. Uh, but in my career to be surrounded by like really smart, creative and, and driven people. And, and they've definitely helped along the way from progression and an evolution standpoint. Um, so I think, you know, kind of hitting on, on the, 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 the verticals, I guess you asked about is like, leadership's always been really important to me. I've had very good leaders and I've always tried to embody myself um, or like my actions off of them and what I've seen. Right. So I think I've also, I'm just very curious in general and, and try to read a lot. So, you know, one thing that, uh, there's this book called radical candor by Kim Scott and, and from a leadership perspective, she says like care personally and challenge directly. And I think that's a really succinct and well put way of, of like the way I try to model my leadership efforts and, and how I've evolved from again, being this wide eyed, like know nothing kid to managing teams and businesses and budgets and all that good stuff. So you got to just be able to have the the human conversations with people and care about them personally, but also challenge not only yourself, but them directly as well. So I definitely from that point A to point B in that regard has been a long process, but but it's been something that's been pretty fruitful. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the creative side of things. So from an innovation standpoint, um, I've just always like been striving for what's next, right? Like you, you keep mentioning trends and I don't sit here and consciously think like, okay, I got to be ahead of the trends. But at the same time, if, if I'm satisfied with what I'm doing or what we have going on and just like, okay, with the status quo and I'm not creatively challenged, I'm honestly, I'm in the wrong place. Right. And I need, that's when I look for my new opportunity or new endeavor, or like finding what's next, whether it be in a career or a market or a company, whatever it might be. And then just as a person, like I mentioned, that's vitally important to me as well. Cause I can sit here and be the, the best quote unquote professional that you would want to be. Um, but if you're not developing as a human, as a, as a person in general, uh, you know, you're doing something wrong. So I think just like, it took me a while that, um, you know, I, I realized I actually wanted to help and actually make an impact in, in life and not only my life, but others. So finding and creating the, those opportunities that, that allowed me to do that, um, whether it be again, from like a corporate social responsibility perspective or charitable effort in my personal life or whatever it might be. Um, those are the things that I, I've definitely evolved into and have always held, held close to make sure like, Hey, I'm, I'm hitting these benchmarks internally. Okay. That's very well said. Uh, very succinct too. So I appreciate that. And, and following that same vein, I mean, if you were a student, uh, you know, reflecting back what 15 or so years ago for you, what is one thing you wish you knew that it would be a game changer for you today? Yeah. Um, 
it's like a really good question. It's 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 not as like finger pointing as easy to put your you know yeah. to put a pin in it. Uh, specifically with my world and my role and and the progression that I kind of talked you guys through, uh, I think it's more so like everybody's got this again like the bright bright eyed like young kid like oh sports is sexy like sports is so cool. Um, it's not. <laughs> it is, and sports at the end of the day is really really fun. Um, right. But it's not always as glamorous as it seems, right? right? And I think you can say this for any profession, um, but especially in sports and entertainment, um, there's a lot of nitty gritty, a lot of ugliness that, uh, not in a bad way necessarily, but there's just a lot of things you don't realize that have to happen and a lot of things people have to do in order to get to the final product that you see, whether it's a content company, a sports company, uh, a, a league, a team or whatever. Like it's always like, oh, I love sports. I'm a sports fan. I want to work in those. Uh, and that's true, but like, that doesn't always, it's not one-to-one, like it's not transferable, right? So I, I guess most succinctly, it's um, sports is not as glamorous as it seems. And like the quicker you can realize that, the quicker I could have realized that, mm-hmm. it would have, um, you know, probably just saved a, a little bit of heartache along the way. No, I respect that. But we also need students to be bright-eyed, if you will, with respect to the glamour. Yeah. to attract. Yeah, and them. I'm not trying to be too no, much of a, of a Debbie Downer here by any means. Like, don't get me wrong. No. Sports and entertainment, the world of the world of what we live in is, is pretty freaking awesome, right? Yeah. Um, but there's there's two sides to every every story. Uh, the grass is always greener, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, and it's just important that you at least have that that perspective and that recognition, I think, because if you come in thinking, hey, I love this so much and my love is going to equate to amazing work like that it, that, it doesn't always work that way. No, and, and I respect that because it's a grind and we teach, you know, our students that yeah. I mean, 90 hour weeks in some instances, it's road warrior status, uh, you know, until I decided to go into academia, it was, you know, 280 days on the road. Uh, and I worked in the live entertainment event side of things. So I, I, I get what Sports you're saying. Sports is, is nights uh, and weekends and brutal. holidays. Like that was yeah. the first thing I learned. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. When everyone else is enjoying their time off, you're working. So. Yeah. And then when you love to watch the game and you're like, oh, wait, I don't actually get to watch it because I have to work it. Like that's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. a great point, Tyler. Thank you. We're always encouraging our students like realistic, like no sooner rather than later, you're not in. Like, what are you going to wake up at like 5 a.m. and go to bed at one in the morning, like four? Yeah. Because that's real yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. So and then curious, um, you talk about you said obviously it's not as sexy, but what has helped to maybe ground you going from being a student and then being extremely successful in a world that can be entertainment, um, sports. I mean, there's a lot of things out there. Um, so I'm just curious, like how have you kind of stay grounded in your work and not get, um, you know, too carried away with all the, the things that you get to have opportunities to be a part of? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's really easy in, in again, con- contradicting myself a little bit, like in the sexiness of sports, it is really easy to get carried away. Right. And it's like, Oh, I get to travel. I mentioned all-star weekend. Like, going to all-star weekend every year, going to the U S open for two weeks at a time when I was working at the talent representation agency, like it's very easy to sit there and say, okay, like sick, like sports are awesome. Like, (laughs) you know, I love it. But again, there's still work to be done on the other side of that. So I guess, you know, what's grounded me, um, is again, the, the perspective that, that it is a business at the end of the day, there are priorities for, for people, for the organizations, et cetera. Again, I think I've been very fortunate to have um, other successful people in my corner and, and leaders and, and coaches and mentors, most importantly, that, that taught me a lot along the way, right? And taking me from, from that young, um, just excited kid to, you know, a young professional to a young executive, et cetera. Um, so I think just having the right people around you, having the, the, the proper perspective and the proper balance to... Um, you know, make sure that you can not only handle, yeah, it is a grind, it is sexy and it is fun, but on the other side, you got to actually put in some work. And like, if you don't, you're just going to fizzle out and burn out. Uh, I think that's just really important perspective to keep. Yeah. I think that's super helpful to see kind of hear both sides, you know? Um, And what are, so so you're speaking to people and it sounds like we've had multiple people on the podcast talk about how important the people they surround themselves with are. And so who are three people you have found the most influential to you um, along your career journey. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to, to name just three, to be honest, there's a million, like I'm, I'm inspired and, and helped by 
a lot of people, whether they're direct connections of mine or literally people out in the ether of just like people that I think are the coolest ever. Um, but I, I mean, to boil it down a little bit, like got to say my dad, first and foremost, like he, he was the one who got me early, of course, guided me along the way. And, and most importantly, and you know, how, however silly this sounds is, is he owns a pool company down in Florida where I'm from originally. Um, and I used to have to work for him in the summers. And the, the most important thing I think he ever taught me was that I definitely did not want to uh, work in the Florida summers in the heat outside for the rest of my life. Yes. Um, so he was really instrumental in, in showcasing <laughs> that uh, I need to go do something else uh, instead of inherit the family business. So that was really, really helpful in that regard. Um, I think I was also very, very fortunate. I've mentioned that a couple of times, but uh, I had a, a legit like mentor early. Right. I was actually in school at UF. Uh, I got connected to a, a, a sports executive in the space. He was based down in Tampa, which also led me to my Tampa Bay Jucks, Tampa Bay Bucks job. Excuse me. Um, and he was just really instrumental in my early development and, um, helping me mature, honestly, um, from again, like just a silly little college kid who wanted to party all the time, uh, go Gators, uh, <laughs> to, to, a, a, a silly little kid who realized you could party sometimes, but you also had to grow up a little bit. Right. Um, and then, you know, he, he helped me navigate like the intricacies of, of working into the first job and, you know, how I had to prioritize things differently and make sure that I actually was putting work on uh, on a, uh, a level that I needed to pay attention to in order to get where I wanted to be. So he's definitely, you know, top three for sure. And then I guess another one would be um, my current boss, uh, just because again, like there's there's levels to it all, right? Like, you know, my dad led me into the mentor, my mentor led me into my boss. Um, and he was actually my boss while I was at GQ, and he's actually my boss again now. He's, he's the one I referenced earlier as to who brought me to Bleach Report in the first place. But I think it's always something good to be said when you can work with somebody and, and you enjoyed it, and it was so so beneficial that you wanted to do it again, right? Um, so I think from him, uh, I, I just got a lot of opportunity and was exposed to a lot more, and he really helped me uh, evolve and, and develop as not only a, a uh, employee, but a, a leader and executive as well. And giving me the opportunities to take the autonomy and take the ownership of the things that he knew I could handle in order to get to the places I wanted to get. So, um, again, I'm no, I'm no one and I'm nowhere if I didn't have the people and the, the support around me. So, um, you know, big kudos to all of them over and over and over. All right. Those are great. Uh, I mean, I, I can appreciate I, my dad's got the one who got me in this industry uh, that I'm in currently. So, uh, I can appreciate, you know, paying tribute uh, to those types of uh, circumstances. Yeah, and I just love my dad, obviously. So. Yeah, that too. No, no, absolutely. But, uh, it takes it takes a village, if you will. And I, I think you articulated that well uh, to get to get you. And, you. and people need to realize you need to rely on others a little more. Totally. You can't do anything yourself. I mean, you it, can, but yeah, it's, it's not going to last. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, and, and in speaking in, in that regard, I mean, if you're a student and I know you, you've kind of been in different you know, lanes, if you will, uh, throughout your career thus, thus far. But if they were going to go into marketing and sports specifically, is there a pathway that you might be able to identify or help them with, with respect to what choices you should make along that road to get yeah. there? Um, so no, there's no, um, there's no like formula per se. Um, and there's definitely no one size fits all approach. I don't think to, to my industry, to sports as a whole, to, to any industry, to any job, to any person, um, to be completely honest, like I think first and foremost, like happiness is key, right? Like you have to be happy and it sounds so silly and it sounds so like cliche, but, but you really do like you can grind all day and all night and you can, you can make a ton of dough, like make as much money as you want. But at the end of the day, if you're miserable and you don't actually enjoy what you do, like what good does that do anyone yourself, the company you're working for, whatever. Um, so I think like most simply put, like find your happiness and you'll find your stride, right. And you'll find the path to get you to where you want to be. Um, cause I mean, just from a personal standpoint, like truly I work my ass off I'm sorry, excuse my French, no, but, <laughs> but like, but I always find the time for the things like, you know, that are important to me, you know, whether it's travel, of course, when we're not in a pandemic world and we can, um, you know, reading and, and relaxing, spending time with my friends, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that, um, there's no you know, path specifically to get here as much as it is like you just have to find the way 
um, you know, that, that's going to be most succinct and most helpful and most, uh, uh, the words are escaping me, but the, the what's best for you. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Uh, if you're not satisfied or happy, there is no point to it in the long run because it's going to, it'll show, uh, and, and I'm convinced of that and, and it'll wear you down, uh, and out. You'll be, uh, you know, finding other employment opportunities shortly. After yeah. after. So, uh, no, good. Great perspective. Um, and transitioning just to hear a little bit more about the marketing side of things. I know you only work with the Bucks for um, a, a couple years, I believe. Sure. And um, then, but you've also worked in sports divisions of different organizations, um, even GQ, which is outside of what we've termed sports, but very relevant. Um, what are some of the differences in working for a team, a marketing position for a team versus an organization? Totally. Um there's a lot, honestly, right? Like, you know, it's a very different uh, world from a team versus an agency versus like a content organization, whether it be a Bleacher Report or a GQ and media, quote unquote, right? Uh, and then to each one, like everyone is a fan. Everybody loves loves the sports like we talked about earlier. But in each, the priorities are definitely really different as well. So um, I don't know, you take the Bucks example, the team, their priorities in my my perspective are like the fans that come to watch the games and then the brand being the team and the product on the field, right? So that's that's their priority, what they need to focus on. Um, from an agency perspective and talent rep world, uh, the priorities are like players and their livelihood, right? Like the players have to make their money so you can make your money as well. <laughs> and like they are your main priority. Uh, and then from a content and like a, a publishing platform perspective, the priorities are the audience and the storytelling that that we share with that audience. So um, each each world definitely has its different priorities. So the marketing functions within each of those definitely cater to each of those priorities. But the one thing that I can say is the common denominator and the same goal uh, is, is making money, right? So there's always something that drives to, hey, how can our marketing support help drive revenue? How can um, our marketing support help uh, brand our players differently to where they can go be more marketable and drive more dollars for their off the field endeavors, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it, the marketing functions within each of those teams definitely differs um, depending on the priorities of, of said organization. Um, but from a, from a culture perspective, I think there's a through line of, of, again, like we've mentioned sports being fun. So uh, of course, like sports and the world of sports and entertainment in general, like you literally surround some of the best moments um, and events like in any given year, right? So at, at inherently the culture is just fun. Um, so it depends on, I guess, uh, within whatever organization you're sitting in, like where you sit and why you're sitting there uh, and what you're looking to do, right? Because as an example, like Tampa is a lot different than New York City. So the culture at the Bucks is a lot different than Bleacher Report. Um, and then like the communications department, which I was working in is a lot different than the stats department, which we communicated with, but very different worlds. And those guys, like their culture was much more sit in a, in a dark room and like count stuff up and, and decipher <laughs> film. And mine was like, no, I'm going to watch the game and eat some banana foster during halftime and then go, go to the locker room, uh, you know, after the game. Um, and then, you know, like the player relations team is much different than the, than an agent, right? Like if you're on behalf of a brand or a team, versus an agent for a player, like very different uh, perspectives on things. So every, every effort definitely has its own spin. But but again, with that through line of like, hey, like at the end of the day, and again, this happens a lot in my world. And, you know, we're not curing cancer. We're here to, to create an awesome product and, and have, have fun. Um, so there's that through line of, and mentality through a lot of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess I wish I was curing cancer, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, that is because I I think it's hard to understand the intricacies of of each department on top of what the differences are in um, a sport versus an agency for, you know, all those kind of things. Because I think from our students perspective, there's like these ideas, like we said, you know, the idea that sport is sexy, like from the outside, but the inside is actually a lot more challenging, a lot more um, work work, uh, required. So with that being said, when we're thinking through, like, you know, I mentioned grounding and I, so I, I want to change the topic a little bit into the, into this question. Um, but I don't think there's a perfect answer. And thus far we haven't gotten one, but if you, um, if you had a formula or do you have a formula for staying balanced and, um, healthy in a very high performance environment? Yeah. Um, again, there's definitely not one formula. There's no end all be all solution for anyone. I think everybody's unique in, in this regard and everybody's mental health and, and the way you use the word balance um, 
it's going to be unique and exclusive to them. Um, happiness goes back into it for sure. But I think more so you have to, you have to find your, your, your drive, right? You have to find what motivates you. You have to find, um, what, what keeps you sane to be completely honest with you. Like I meditate, I have a regular workout routine, all that good stuff. So again, as we talked about at the very beginning of the chat, like sports, is is nights holidays and weekends like there's no getting around it like when everybody else is sitting at home on their couch eating turkey like you're going to be involved in something some some way shape or form right and that's what you're signing up for so mentally you have to prepare and have that perspective um and then you have to do what you need to do from a physical and a mental standpoint in order to make sure you can can do that at the highest level so again for me like I said, I work my ass off, but it's it's much more finding the time to do the things that I know I need to do in order to keep that sanity and keep that balance. Which again, if it's working out, sure. If it's men, uh, uh, meditating, sure. If it's you know taking a break and like blocking off a half day of my calendar to make sure I can't have a meeting because I'm just like tired and and I'm, I didn't sleep well, whatever. Um, you know, you just have to find what that is, but. There's no, there's no simple solution. Everybody's different. Um, you know, fortunately <laughs> for me, like I'm a, a relatively level-headed person. Um, you know, I, I have a, a strong mental health. I like to think at least, uh, ask some of my friends, they might tell you differently. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it really is. You just got to understand like sports again, as fun as it is, you can't sit there and just dive full into the fun because you got a whole other side here of like, no, it's a grind and we have to, to, to drive the business forward and we have to do new things and we have to make money and we have to literally have a business. Cause if you just focus on one or the other, like the other one falters. Yeah. So moving to you know, a topic we had picked up on a little bit prior to this, if, if you were looking, I mean, if you were a student or a student athlete and, and I, even taking into consideration the name image likeness considerations on the horizon here, what recommendations would you have or could you give to a student or student athlete with respect to building their own brand? Uh, what, what would that look like, if anything? Yeah, um, it depends, honestly. From it, It's a very different perspective talking about someone who like follows my path and goes down to like the business professional versus a student athlete, like potential professional athlete, right? So I, I guess I'll carve it up in, in two ways. Because <laughs> they're very different answers. Right, right. Um, from a from a business professional perspective, like I would almost argue the opposite, right? Like I, I don't think it's as much of a brand building and being on select platforms as it is like be careful what you're putting on to what platforms. To be completely honest with you, because right. Shelly, you had mentioned earlier, right? It's like uh, you know we're all looking at everything. The resume is not the end all be all anymore. So as soon as I get a job applicant, I'm going to go look at LinkedIn and then I'm going to Google them and see what's on Instagram or public on Twitter, whatever, whatever. And if it's a bunch of inappropriate things like it, those, those are set, seen now. Right. So um, you just got to be careful what you're doing. And if you're not on private, just realize that there's people Googling you and, and finding what you probably don't want them to find. Right. On the complete opposite side of that, like there is absolutely value, both from a professional standpoint, but also much more a, a student athlete, professional athlete perspective of building your personal brand. Because again, like in the age of the Gen Zers and uh, you know influencers taking over a, a whole industry, essentially, um, you are your brand, right? And like you know, people make their whole livelihoods off of how many posts and what kind of content they can create, and how many followers and likes and engagement and all that good stuff. So. I would argue that, you know, <laughs> to go back to the trendsetter conversation, like you got to roll with the culture, honestly. You know, TikTok is something that I wouldn't have envisioned five years ago, but look at us now. Like people are making millions and millions of dollars off that platform alone. Um, you know, who knows what, what will be the next version of that. But I think, a, a, and we deal with this all the time from a quote unquote brand perspective at, at Bleach Report and, and my past roles as well is like, what is our content strategy? What is the cadence? What is all this? Like, what's the aesthetic? What's the look and feel? So like, there's just a lot of things that, that go into the consideration set of, of building a quote unquote brand. Um, and from an individual perspective, from a human perspective, like, again, you gotta, you gotta kind of find your flow, right? Cause some people can do things differently. Some platforms are better than others. Sometimes your skill set is just catered better to something. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a difference from a, a student athlete slash professional athlete to, to, um, you know, a business professional trying to just go get a nine to five. Yeah, no, I appreciate you breaking it down because I, I see it the same way too. I, 
be careful what you post on one end and the other side, maybe you should get some advice with respect to how to craft your message and, and present yourself to the public. So yeah. uh, I'm glad we're in alignment with that. Now, if you were to hire, say, an intern or, you know, uh, maybe someone who's starting out coordinator role or something to that effect uh, for your organization or for you personally, uh, what kind of qualifications would you be seeking in that individual? Yeah, um, it's interesting because with the the scope of like our world and my, my world now specifically, we get quite a f- diverse range of applicants with diverse range of skills and yeah. expertise. And and one thing that honestly was, was actually told to me a long time ago, which I uh, wholeheartedly believe in is like, I'm a big proponent of, of hiring for potential, not experience, right? Okay. And, and don't get me wrong, like they're definitely essentials and there's experience that is absolutely needed for select roles. Um, but I, I think that there's too much weight in general that's held on being an expert in many of them. Okay. So like to put it more succinctly, I guess, is the opportunity doesn't exist for a lot of people because they don't quote unquote have the experience. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're not potentially capable or they don't have the potential to crush that role or whatever it might be. Cause I felt at certain times, even in my career that like, Hey, I, I don't technically have the, the job description specs to go accomplish that. But I know if I was in that role, I could a thousand percent do it. Right. And I know a ton of people feel that way. It's not exclusive to me. So I try to take that mindset as I'm evaluating, evaluating roles, uh, for my teams or teams that I might have a, a hand in. Um, so like, you know, if somebody, for example, like uh, graphic arts as an example, like, oh, you need to be a marketer. You have to have graphic artists. Like, mm-hmm. no, the only time I'm going to need a graphic arts expertise is if I'm literally hiring a designer that needs to be on my creative service team who's going to physically design things, right? I right. think, of course, there's a level of taste and a level of creativity that that can't really be taught. Um, it can be adapted and learned. Um, but it's inherent to who a lot of people are and like that will set them up for more success in certain roles over others. Um, but I think, you know, simply put, it's like, show me your creative, uh, show me how you think differently and you can come up with solutions um, to the problems that, that we'll all face together and that you have the ability and the potential to come up with those solutions and we'll get along great. So it's not really like a qualification or a spec sheet or anything like that. It's more like, Hey, show me, show me you're going to grind and show me like you're, potentially or show me excuse me show me you have the potential and the capability to accomplish the challenges or face the challenges that we're going to face and and we'll be good it's funny you you say you have you know a lot of people that have that mindset that you just kind of uh, provided for us regarding potential versus experience or expectations but you're the first to articulate it that way we've done this probably 20 or so times and to hear i'm hiring over potential over ex- expertise in regards that's refreshing for students and in, in mm-hmm. this because it, gaining some of this valuable experience is hard to come by. Uh, and it, it's funny you bring up the graphic arts thing because we literally just had a conversation with a student who was concerned because she was informed in a job, marketing specifically, that because she didn't have graphic arts experience that she didn't qualify for it. I'm like, oh. So it was disheartening because, you know, sure. you're hearing some like, well, maybe I have the, you know, internal to the organization because the size a graphic arts and design team built in, but then these smaller ones might not. So it's like, you need to come with both. So, yeah. Well, I would just say too, like, it's hard to break through the traditional bureaucracy at a lot of organizations. Right. And like, they still sit there and be like, Oh, five years experience necessary, like have to have graphic arts capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. And they like check the box. So not everybody shares my mindset. I'll say that, but you know, plain devil's advocate to myself for a second, uh, the potential is a lot less tangible and a lot harder to decipher than experience, right? So I think that's why people don't challenge themselves to to go down that path with a select candidate because it's very hard for candidates to show like, hey, look, like I don't have this experience, but I got a shit ton of potential over here, right? And that's right. very, it's, it's not tangible. You can't sink your teeth into it. You can't showcase it. So I guess like for the audience, um, think about that and say, okay, like, yeah, I might only have three years when they're asking for seven, if you're ambitious, or like, hey, I might not have um, the skill set to go design whatever. But like, if I was actually doing this, let me showcase to you how I would tackle these problems, even though I don't have the experience to quote unquote, tackle the problems, right? right. And just to put it most succinctly, was like, I didn't know how to make and sell an NFT up until six days ago. (laughs) And I literally did it, right? So like clearly the potential and the capability Mm -hmm. was there and not to pat myself on the back, but like 
nobody knew how to do that a week ago. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and if, if, if I see somebody who can do it, like that's who I want on my team. Yeah. Heck, I didn't even know what it was until today. So. Exactly. Well, I think it speaks to um, it speaks to the ability to build relationships and network too, though, right? So then, people who do believe in you, know you, or can back you on potential um, when your resume or your years of experience can't, and the impressions uh, students will make as interns and you know in their first jobs as well. Yeah, and I would say, Brian, just. To that point, um, bringing the two together, like you had mentioned the path earlier, right? It's like, not to use the old adage, if it's not what you know, it's who you know. Like, it's not, but it is a little bit. Like, you need both. You need to know a lot and you need to work your ass off to meet the people you yeah. need to meet to help give you the opportunity, right? So yeah. I think um, the experience is, is super helpful, but like, it's again, more so not showcasing you know how to do something um or like actually doing that thing excuse me but showcasing you have the the brain power and the thinking capacity to to do that thing yeah. uh, as opposed to sitting there being like no show me you did this be like no 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 like I, I haven't done that a lot of people haven't done that but like look i'm going to walk you through the process of how i would accomplish that if you were to give me the opportunity and then lean on somebody to help you get that opportunity or at least put you put you you know a foot in the door Okay. No, I, I love that. And it brings hope to a lot of people, obviously. So I really appreciate that insight. And, and with that said, how can our listeners, uh, students specifically, that might have an interest in what you're doing, uh, connect with you online in some capacity? Um, I, I'm most active on LinkedIn from a professional standpoint, honestly. So uh, it's just Tyler Stewart, uh, Warner Media. You can search me, I believe it'll pop up. Um, you know, connect with me on there. I'm pretty active. Uh, I try to post cool things that we got going on and I'm, I'm pretty responsive in the messages as well. So open to, to hearing anyone out and, and having a chat for sure. Okay. That's awesome. I really appreciate you, uh, you offering that. So thank you. So now with that said on voices from the field, we also like to have a little fun <laughs> aside from the, the questions that we, uh, have pelted you with, and we've got this rapid fire Q and a that we do this shock full of, if you will, lighthearted questions. So with that said, Shelly, uh, if you want to take the rain or wheel on this. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, one minute fire away questions. Uh -oh, so we let's have go. more questions. Yes. Um, we're going to see how many you can get um, in one minute and whatever comes to mind. And if you want to pass, you can pass. Are we ready? We're super ready? ready. I'm very ready. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. First job. Uh, I mentioned it. My, my dad's pool company. Hmm. LinkedIn or Twitter? Used to be Twitter, now LinkedIn. What's the worst haircut you've ever had? Oh, man. Um, when I first moved to the city, there was a, a spot called the Blind Barber, and I went to an event, um, <laughs> and it was a free 10-minute haircut, and the guy was just breezing through it and literally, like, chopped my whole hair off. Uh, and my friends made fun of me and said, like, was the barber actually blind? Uh, <laughs> but then fun fact, I actually kept going to them after that. And he's like one of my best friends and like therapist. And he's still my barber today. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Nice. Favorite, <laughs> favorite time of the day. Oh, um, I don't know, like sunset time. Like it's kind of like right now, like I can chill. Work is ending. I read a book on the couch out on the balcony, whatever works. Nice. And when, were you, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Quarterback, professional quarterback. <laughs> Classic. Uh, name two daily habits. Oh, man. Meditate and work out. Okay. Come on. All right. That's the time. I want to ask more, but I have to abide by my one minute. That's right. I was intrigued by your response. Right, yeah. So the, the bumper one took a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was worth it. That was yeah, a good one. Yeah. Those are good responses. That's so. been one of the best. Yeah. We love the haircut story. It's the there funniest to watch people respond. And you know, it's crazy. It was just different for me at the time. Cause like once it grew out a little bit, it, it was okay. But I was just like petrified at the time. Cause I, I don't, I, I haven't touched my hair in a long time. And it was, it was scary for a second. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is funny. Uh, I love too that it was old. You were older. Like most people have, they're like, "Well, I got the bowl cut, or I had this really bad, like nah, five-year-old hair." Yeah, I was. I was. <laughs> it was like a year after school. <laughs> oh, awesome. oh well, well. So Tyler, I, we really appreciate you joining us today uh, and taking the time to to share your professional endeavors and insights. I know. It's been super helpful uh, to all of our University of Florida uh, sport uh, management students, our faculty even, uh, and our alumni. These are all individuals that uh, are, are listening in uh, and will receive this content. So 
without with that being said, I, I have one question that kind of throws people for a loop at the end. And, uh -oh. and the, the, the basis of this, <laughs> no, only one. I might have thrown you for a loop for the other ones too, or we have. But with, with that one, this one in particular, is there something that I should have asked you that we didn't get an opportunity that would be super helpful to the students uh, in regards to your career or in just general advice? Yeah, um, I think a, a question again, like especially with these types of conversations, the stuff that never really comes up, or at least from my experience, is is the opposite side of it. And I know I've hinted and alluded to that a little bit. Like we're like, what's the most exciting part of your job, or or like, what do you like most? It's like, how about we make sure that everybody has the perspective of like, what's the least exciting or like the least favorite part of the job? I think it's important to have both sides of the story and. You know, no matter what topic you're exploring, you just got to be as informed as possible and always have that. I, you know, with the election and all this stuff, I got in a plenty of familial arguments with my dad. Is like, dad, like you're literally only stating facts from one side, right? So same with this. It's like, hey, everybody wants wants to hear like what I have to say and like why I like it and what they can do, but also like make sure you know what I dislike and maybe you don't want to go that direction because oh, like he said that and that really resonated with me. So you know it is what it is. Um, and so you take all the insights and you make the best decision once you have all, all the information, but just be as informed as possible. Okay. No, I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you need to know who the, to ask those questions to as well. Uh, you know, depending on, on who you ask, you might get the, uh, the sunshine and roses response. And, and I think that's why we have these, obviously these conversations to bring in a lot of different perspectives. So, so our students can gain that insight. Uh, so, we really appreciate it uh, once again, and we, we appreciate your time. Uh, so with that said, uh, those that are interested in following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, you can find us at UFSPM. Uh, we are your host, Brian Avery and Shelly Lyle. And for joining Go Gators. Go Gators.